it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. everyone. Welcome to episode 150 of Windowsill Chats. I just was reading my notes and thought, goodness, look at that, 150. Thanks for being here. Many of you since the very beginning. And if you're just tuning in, that's about 150 hours that I can keep you busy. So come hang out with me. I so appreciate you being here. Today, I have a treat for you. Carrie Schmidt is a wonderful artist who I'm sure many of you are familiar with. And Carrie's an artist here in the Pacific Northwest. And she has a really interesting story. She began painting in 2009 while bedridden, like actually bedridden, after being diagnosed with a life-threatening allergy to heat, heat and, and sunshine. So... That's one of the reasons she lives here in the Pacific Northwest, because we don't have as much of that as many other places in the world. She paid attention to a very poignant internal message and began painting. She really has devoted her life to creativity in many facets and allows herself and her creativity to continue to evolve. It's pretty cool to watch how she does that. And she is so good at sharing it with her followers and with the world. Carrie's mission is to teach students not only how to paint, but more importantly, how to have a loving relationship with your art because it has the power to heal, empower, and transform us when we offer it our tenderness instead of our criticism. And that's something that we really dive into. You know, you might think easier said than done, and it it is easier said than done to give yourself and your art tenderness instead of criticism. But listen in because I think you'll get some tips on how to do that. Carrie teaches online classes and in-person retreats at her wonderful home and artist sanctuary called House of Miracles in Stalacoom, Washington. She also licenses her art for products, including things like stationery, home decor, clothing, and a few other goodies. She's written several books, including The Story of Every Flower, a 10-year celebration of her journey as an artist. It's gorgeous. Her picture book, A Flower in Her Heart, The True Story of an Artist Who Bloomed, won the Mom's Choice Award in 2022. So she's got some really wonderful things that have happened. And I think if you listen in, I'd like you to see yourself becoming someone who does these things that you might even feel like, oh, there's no way. There is a way. Some of the things we talk about are you know, how creativity can guide you through big life changes and transitions, Carrie's life-changing diagnosis, and how it really became the catalyst to her spiritual and her creative journey, creating her 
fairly new House of Miracles and how that came to be. Here's a big one. Her experience of working through feelings of shame and silent suffering and how things changed when she became more vulnerable and spoke out loud about her struggles, how she got support from many others that way, and how you can do the same. We talk about a lot, but as you know, I like to really get into the conversation. So happy 150th episode, Windowsill Chats, and thanks for being along for the ride. I am not stopping anytime soon. And for those of you in the States, happy holiday week, and I hope you have a great one. Harry, I am so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, you're one of those people that just always inspires and you're positive and you've overcome a lot and you've, you know, lived nine lives and you're on several more busting gloriously forth into the future. So I just thought we should share that with a few more people out there in the world. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that you're, I feel like I can almost see you like from my house, you know, around a few bits of land. You're close. You have a new place Mm -hmm. and uh, there's so much goodness happening. So I want to get into all that for sure. But you have a really interesting story of how you kind of started this chapter of your life. Can you share that? Yeah. So in 2009, I developed a life-threatening allergy to heat and later the sun. And um, I was bedridden because if my body sensed any heat, including my own body heat, Uh, I would go into anaphylactic shock. So if I walked up the stairs, if I swept the floor, if I somehow sensed any heat, I would swell up and we'd have to call the paramedics and couldn't breathe. And so I was bedridden for about six months and I was severely depressed because I couldn't see like that light at the end of the tunnel. I thought this is going to be my life. I'm in my thirties. I can't be a vegetable for 50 years. Like it's, it was devastating. So I actually was having like suicidal thoughts and yeah. And then one day a voice, I heard a voice in my head or heart maybe. And it said, now that your life is over, you might as well do what you want and paint. And I didn't know I wanted to paint, but I didn't really have anything else, you know, to look forward to. So I just listened. I was so desperate that I would like try anything. And so I started painting in bed, kind of like Frida Kahlo Um, and suddenly I couldn't wait to wake up in the morning and I would get lost in the painting process. And I would, you know, I was finished, I would look around and I would like have forgotten I was in bed. You know, I'd look around like, oh my gosh, I'm in bed. Yeah. So it was the only time I could, um, kind of forget about, um, the heat allergy and it just, I feel like it held me in a way that no human could. It, it, It like loved me and supported me and gave me what I needed in a way that no one else could. So I fell madly in love with um, creativity, the process that held me and saved me and um, just began to you know devote my life to it because I have so much gratitude for it. And the gift from that is I kind of bypassed a lot of the um, things that people deal with like judgment or criticism um, or fear because it was the creative process, which I call mm. like now creative spirit was so good to me that I would never disrespect it because it never disrespected me. I didn't know what I was doing, never judged me. It never criticized me. It only loved me. So it's a really important part of my path and lesson and message um, is, you know, that it also deserves our love and our respect and not our criticism because it only loves us. Um, So that's kind of the message that I share now, but that's how I started. And now I'm a full-time artist. I have been for a while and, um, 
I, um, I, I found that like, that was the worst thing that happened, but it brought the greatest blessing into my life. Yeah. So it was like a death of my old self and then this rebirth. Um, and I think we, what I've learned from that too, is we go through a million deaths and rebirths in this lifetime. Like we always talk yeah. about reincarnation, like it's an afterlife, but actually I think we go through so many deaths of ourselves, relationships, you know, in this one lifetime. So it kind of taught me how to walk through that and help others through with creativity as a healing modality. Um, so, yeah. So many good points there. I think <laughs> I have questions and and so many good points. First of all, I just want to say how much I love your perspective of being grateful for that and kind of thanking that creative process instead of, I would say, the vast majority of the time we question it, right? We question it because we're questioning our human selves instead of maybe turning that around and saying, oh, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for inspiring me. Thank you for, I don't know if, you know, that's the way, just the way I'm choosing to say it, but yeah. to, to, to think about that as high praise, you know? Yeah. I mean, I felt it's like literal presence. I think everything I felt like just was taken away from me. And I think when that happens, nothing really matters. And I feel like all that's left is like your soul or your spirit, your essence. And so I was in this really raw state that I think we get in when we're experiencing transitions. We've all been there. And um, I really felt the presence of this, this force or this, I call it creative force or creative spirit. And I really, I felt it holding me. Like I, mm. there was a physical presence there. So it actually, it was the beginning of like kind of a spiritual um, journey with creativity. But yeah, I mean, I think when we see it as an entity, a relationship, um, it's easier to say thank you and to honor that and have reverence for it, which we don't talk a lot about with our creativity. I think we're highly critical. And I mm -hmm. actually think it's kind of cruel and mean to do to something that has created so much beauty for all of us. Um, it feels like kind of disrespectful. So yeah, that's <laughs> Well, it's even the thought process of holding it as an entity, if you will, or holding it as a thing, like mm -hmm. maybe, you, you know, a sign. Maybe if you had a favorite, I don't know, candle or quote or something that you could say, this represents this gift of creativity that I'm given, no matter how I look at it. And mm -hmm. instead of knocking myself down and therefore that gift, how about honoring the gift and then bringing myself along with that? Yeah, I mean, it's a much more peaceful, enjoyable way yeah. to work and experience creativity. And it's not as lonely because I feel yeah. like if you think, all, you know, all the objects you're working with and everything is kind of dead and you're the sole creator, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Um, but I like to think of it as everything I'm working with is alive. Everything has an energy. And then there's this greater force, whatever you want to call it, bigger than myself that's guiding. So I'm just kind of, I'm like more passive in it and it takes yeah. a lot of pressure off. It's not about me. So I'm not judging my art and thinking it's reflecting my worth or value as an artist or a person. It has not, I don't think it has anything to do with me. So I'm not going to say bad yeah. things about myself. Like I suck at this. this is, like it has nothing to do with me or um, I can't do this. Uh, you know, I'm doing it. So <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a different way to work. You know? It's a, it is, I think, and really um, a positive one, just mm -hmm. a good place to start. And you mentioned that we all go through so many 
rebirths, deaths, changes, complete life shifts. And it's so true. I think we tend to look at our life like a timeline. Oh, like now I'll turn 30 and maybe I'll have a family and then maybe I'll have a new job or I'll move to my dream place or own the house I want or whatever it is. But along the way, certainly there's things we don't expect, as we both know, certainly you didn't expect to wake up and not be able to go outside. (laughs) And then uh, along the way, I was just talking to a friend of mine about this in a really poignant way, you know, for some of us, like menopause is a big one or Mm -hmm. losing or changing a relationship or a, a kid growing up and being a certain age. And then it's like, all of a sudden we're different, you know, like something about our body or something about our thought process or something about our physical location. And then we tend to just like go, keep going, right? Instead of uh, honor that. Yeah. We're constantly changing. I mean, you see it in nature and we're no different and we're not really taught to even notice it, but you know, whether we call it transitions or thresholds, they're constantly you know, at our door. I mean, we, we're constantly doing it. We're changing. I'm not the same person I was, you know, five years ago. And um, it's so beautiful, but to just honor that and to understand how to mourn and then what helps us through those times, you know, there's certain practices like that we do when we're not going through that so that we're already in that, in that pattern, you know, to have them when we need them. But for me, I think creativity is one of the greatest gifts when you're going through, you know, any transition or, crossing any threshold. Yeah, Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's just I mean, it's proven again and again how how it can take stress away, how it can center us, how it can move us to a place we didn't expect to get to all the things. Yeah. And at that time when you were diagnosed with this, you had littles too. Yeah. Your kids were. I mean, how did you what were you doing before, Carrie? And and how did it how did it come to be? I mean, that moment must have been just excruciating mentally. Yeah. So after my son was born 20 years ago, I actually developed it then, but it wasn't life-threatening. And then my daughter was born 14 years ago and that's when it flared up to Mm. life-threatening. So I did have little kids and I lived near my parents at the time. And um, so my family was helping me out. My then husband had a flexible job, so he was able to help. I worked like two minutes away And people just kind of helped me out. We were all kind of confused at what was happening. But um, I had been a writer at a Sunshine Children's Hospital, a medical writer, and then in the communications department. Mm -hmm. And I started to have these these reactions there. And the nurses would say, like, you better be careful. Like, you're swelling up. Like, I I had trouble walking from, like, meeting to meeting because the building was big. So I would have to leave work a lot. And yeah, that's kind of what I was doing. And then I, I started freelancing as it continually kind of got worse and then um, just started painting. And yeah. the, the really odd thing about it is like, it really was like everything was taken away from me. And it felt like, you know, this universe creative spirit saying, I'm, I'm going to take everything away from you now. The only thing you can do is paint. Like, what are you going to do now? You've not been listening for, you know, 30 years. Yeah. And so I'm just going to like put you in this room. And I had like about six months where I could just paint and that would never happen. I had little kids. I could devote all this time. I had, I mean, I had so much free time, you know, and so that was never going to happen if I didn't have this situation. And so I do know the value of like, you know, having the time and space to do it. And so, you know, I have this retreat center now and I hope to give women the time and space they need to create 
that I had, you know, but under better circumstances, but it is really important. And that's a struggle that I hear all the time is just finding the time to, you know, to devote to what you love, especially as a mom or as a woman. Yeah. Well, and I think (laughs) there's something about finding it and making it like for you when you were diagnosed and you, I mean, it was challenging to even walk up the stairs. Did you just how do you start? Because I'm thinking of people with chronic pain and, you know, things like other things that I know many of us, um, you know, have and don't necessarily talk about. But how did you mm-hmm. even begin the process of, um, I mean, you weren't really given a choice, but at the same time, there's that conversation in ourselves. Where we're like, no, I am going to do this. I, I really yeah. am. So you had to get yeah. somewhere in there. You had to give yourself permission. And strength. I'm so glad I listened. I can't, it like makes me cringe or shudder to think like, what if I hadn't listened to that voice? It was just so strong. And I, for some reason I did listen, but I really had nothing else to do. Nothing else going for me. And it was, it was out of desperation. I was like, I will try anything. I was so miserable. I've never been so miserable in my life. And um, I felt like the world was just passing me by. And like, I felt like I had died and I was still there, but I was, I was like mourning myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was a really strange, severe experience. Cause I think we do experience like little deaths, but this was pretty like severe. It was like, your body doesn't work anymore. You're just, <laughs> you're just yeah. a layer. I didn't know how to deal with it. I had no coping skills. Um, I hope now I'm, you know, more prepared. I've been through it. Like we all have by a certain age, you know, we're like, we've all been humbled by life, but um, yeah. yeah, I just, you know, I don't know why. Listen, I did start watching. I would watch like HGTV with David Bromstad and he would do these paintings every episode and they'd show like three seconds clips and I would like rewind them and watch them and rewind them. And I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And I wish I still had some of those early paintings. Yeah. (laughs) But it didn't matter. You know, I was, I, it was taking me to like some joyful place. You know, I, I always love to create. So it was just fun. I, well, you do it so joyfully and I would say so generously too. I, I always feel that you are, you're not saying, look at me. You're saying, look at you. This is possible for you. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love creativity so much. I actually do want everyone to, (laughs) to feel it's love. I think it is an unconditional love and it's taught me what that means. And it, it can love us in a way that no human can. So I, it's just like the greatest love story. If we, if we make it, it actually breaks my heart when people are unkind to their art or themselves. Um, that makes me, it really upsets me. It feels like I always tell my students, it feels like an act of violence. Like when I hear someone doing that, like physically like hurts. Yeah. Know? Well, sometimes we need to have a different perspective on that. I think when people see you living that out loud and through your courses and retreats and your books, maybe it's just, oh, a different perspective. I hadn't thought about it that way. I, how do I start to give myself permission? So that's, you know, more of the work that you're called yeah. to do through this, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's important to remember, like all our ideas about creativity are just myths. They're like our culture's myths and yeah. they're not necessarily true, you know, so <laughs> it's true. Uh, there's so much like that, right? <laughs> right. Especially right now that feels like strange myths we've picked up along the way. <laughs> yeah. 
how did you come back out? Cause obviously you can, you can be out. You can, you are yeah. out, you do things, mm-hmm. you're, you move yourself. How, yeah. how did that happen? So I went to the Mayo Clinic and they were really excited because they'd never seen this. It's pretty rare. They had, they knew about it, but I was their first patient with it. And they basically were like, there's nothing we can do. You can move to the Pacific Northwest. I was in Cincinnati, which is really, really hot and humid. Um, you can just try to avoid heat. So um, that's basically what the plan was. And we moved um, here to the Seattle area and um I got better here. It's a more temperate mm-hmm. climate. You know, um, there were no extreme temperatures and I slowly got better. Um, I mean, I tried a million things and nothing was helping. I tried like really odd, alternative, weird ideas and then like pretty mainstream, um, but nothing really has helped. I, I don't know. It flares up. I have like, like it's kind of comes and goes. I mean, I always have it, but I have definitely have moments, times where it's more severe and then I'm more limited. Yeah. So. But yeah. you know, you know, your body and yourself well enough to kind of pace that. And you've, yeah. you, you know, I feel like you're, you've really leaned in and you've tried things and you've tried just from, from the outside looking in, it feels like you've, you've really embraced, like, I'm an artist. How do I share that? How do I share that? You had mm-hmm. Rosie the bus for a while. <laughs> you've written certainly more than the books you have now. You've, mm-hmm. you've taught and you've invited people in. And I'm just curious as to kind of where you are with that now and what's, yeah. there's some been some really exciting new things in the past couple of yeah. years for you. Yeah, so I feel like everything I'm doing since then is just kind of reacting to whatever is thrown in my path. It just feels like raw material and then we get to mold it. And so well, most, a theme in my life has been like, my greatest burdens have become my greatest blessings. And I try to live that way. So, um, you know, every time I do it, it kind of gets stronger in me that it's possible. But I um, most recently opened, uh, well, I bought a home in Stillicum, um, which is outside of Tacoma, and it's um, near the water. And I was told after I moved here, it means little pink flower, which I didn't know, but that's very significant to me and my grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother's favorite flowers were her favorite color is pink and roses. So I thought that was really cool. But, you know, I couldn't find affordable housing in Seattle. So this is a different county. It's like half the cost. And so I moved here and opened this space. It's called House of Miracles, which was not my plan. It kind of named itself. And it's just an art retreat space for women. So I do retreats and um, residencies so women can come and have time to paint like I did and we do all sorts of fun stuff but you know it was, I, again it was like I tried to make the best out of a situation where you know I needed housing um how can I afford it you know have my home be a retreat center and also this is kind of funny but I always wanted to go to India and I can't because of the heat and sun oh. so I was like well I'm just gonna make my own India here I'm gonna bring India to me and so I call this place my temple to creativity my, it's a temple to creative spirit and so I just I painted it pink and I'm trying to just infuse it with you know sort of this um holiness sacredness everything's very intentional here um, designed to nurture our creativity and then honor this creative force that I feel is all around me at all times. And that's mm. what it's really for. So I guess that's kind of how I've dealt with it is um, I, when I moved here, I was like, I can't go outside in the summer. 
Um, I had a really bad summer a couple of years ago. It was the worst summer. It was in the hundreds mm. here. You probably remember. Yeah. And it was horrible. I barely got through it. And um, mm. emotionally, I just, yeah. I have a really hard time. And so when I moved here, I was like, okay, so this place is, can either be my prison or my temple. And so mm. I have made it this like colorful playland. Like it looks like my parents left me with like un- unattended with paint. <laughs> it's like every surface is painted. Um, but you know, beauty is, is my way of combating that despair. Cause I could easily slip into that. There's still a lot I can't do. I can't really exercise. I can do like yoga, not too hard, not too much yoga and then swim a little bit, but, but I get really sad that I miss out on like all kinds of things. I miss my kids' yeah. graduations and I miss weddings and big events in their lives. And so, you know, my way of combating that is to stay got like lean in towards the beauty and and that actually helps me because at any moment I could I know every day I could like fall into the sadness of this because I'm also allergic to the sun and that's really hard and yeah it makes my life it's like if you I just tell people it's like if you're allergic to peanut butter but you lived inside a peanut butter jar yeah <laughs> like, oh my gosh you're trying to like have it oh. not touch you at all times it can like emotionally really wear me down like anyone with a chronic condition so anyway that's what I've done is I have to actively create beauty and joy like I have to otherwise I will slide into despair and I think a lot of times people have had a really difficult challenges in their life sometimes they are the most joyful but I almost think they have to be they are fighting this like you know, the backslide into what they know is like a very dark place. So that's kind of, so people say like, oh, you're so happy. You're so colorful. I'm like, I have to be, (laughs) Yeah. you know, this is how I stay on top of that. So, well, but, and I think it's really great that you say out loud, you know, this is, I'm embracing this and you show it so well, you know, I, I knew you lived further out from where you are now and then all of a sudden I, on you know, during COVID, it was like, oh, she's got a new house. And I literally went on Google Maps trying to figure out like, where is she? She has this view of the water. <laughs> like she's in this little area somewhere. And yeah. did it, did it, did you just decide I need to be in a different place and then go looking? Like, how did that? Yeah. I just missed that chapter. So I was, um, yeah, my, I was renting a home in um, the Seattle area and my uh, the landlord's they died and the family sold it. And um, I just couldn't afford housing. So I was looking at RVs and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be like sleeping in my car. Um, even the RV lots were like $1,200 a month, you know, and I was yeah, like, and I need yeah. a studio and I would be paying. And so I just decided, I'm like, I just can't be here. I have to like go to, you know, a different County. I have to stay in this area because my daughter's here. And mm-hmm. so because of a custody agreement, like we both have to stay in this area. So yeah, I just, I was looking at my daughter, my 24 year old said, um, you should look in Stilicum. I think you would like it. And I'd never heard of it. And I looked it up and found this place and it was just meant to be. And then like a bunch of sort of miracles unfolded. Um, it was very unlikely that I would get this place. Um, so yeah, it was just magic. I feel like something just, you know, dropped me down yeah. in the middle of this and very it meant to be has felt really meant, yeah it has felt like that so there's been all sorts of magic and I 
it ended up being called House of Miracles because all these miracles happened. And I, I tend to listen to everything. I feel like I'm in constant communication with all my surroundings and just that's what it wanted to be named. So my dad and I had other names, but I was like, yeah, I think it, I think it really wants to be named this. <laughs> um, that happened. But I just, so part of it is an experiment in call actively calling in miracles and magic and trying mm. to awaken the sacred and the holy, you know, it around us because so it's kind of an experiment. I think it's a creative experiment right now. Like what does happen when you are every day calling that in and expecting that? And so it's it's kind of something to, it's like to play with. It's just fun. And so that's where I am just living in the house. I love America. that. Well, and I love too that you didn't just say, I found this house. I'm I'm, you know, keeping this view and this deck and this sloping lawn to myself. You decided almost immediately you would you wanted to share that and with the residencies and helping other people, how, how is that unfolding? And what, is it matching your initial thought about that? No, you know, no, it's not. So I, I was so excited when I moved here, I had a lot of work to do. It took me like six or seven months to get the, the place ready for guests. And it was just a labor of love. Like I was working night and day. I think I actually kind of burned myself out. Mm -hmm. It ended up being kind of a rough year, but I was working, you know, waking up at 6am and working till midnight. And I was still doing my regular job, which is a lot too. So, so I was really excited and I got a lot of good feedback and I was sharing like all the pictures, you know, of the process of the house and just so excited. And I was getting like people saying, I can't wait to come. I can't wait to come. And so I was like, oh, this is gonna be great, you know. And then I released it in July and it was like cricket. Mm. Like no one, well, two women like signed up, but not nothing. And so I was really kind of sad. And it was the first time it was hard for me. I've had a lot of, I mean, as an artist or entrepreneur, I feel like things fail all the time. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, you launch a collection, no one buys it. You're like, okay, you, you know, you launch a new product, like two people, you just keep moving on. I mean, I right. like prided myself that I was so resilient and like nothing bothered me. I just was like, you know, but this really, it was really hard. So I have, I've been doing retreats here and they do sell out. They do great. It's so much fun. Um, but that one aspect didn't really work out. And I was very mm -hmm. upset for a long time. And um, one day my friend said to me, like, did you ever think like maybe this place was just supposed to be for you? And I was like, <laughs> that never occurred. I like never <laughs> occurred to me because I guess I love to share. I get so excited about things. So when I experience something, I'm like, I want everyone to know about it. I want, I'm like an overshare. So I think part of, well, I guess I, I wanted a, I did want like a temple devoted to creative creativity to, you know, and the divine feminine. I was like, yeah. we don't have this in our culture and I want that. So that was sort of my vision. Um, it was never just for me. I wanted to honor that. And yeah. I hopefully still am like my friends and I are kind of like, we don't know where this is going. I don't know. It's all felt so meant to be that I have no doubt it was. I'm just not sure how it's going to unfold or continue like is it just for me I don't I don't know it's changing me so mm. yeah I I venture to suggest though that that's all part of the unfolding because your vision certainly we all have our visions and, and that's that's <laughs> often how we need it to go 
and want it to go. But I have a feeling, especially with the kind of energy that you're wanting to have there, the right, then you need the right people to be part of that. And it, yeah. and it's not just anybody. It's somebody that shares the, at least the desire to, to be that if they don't have it already. And maybe the more you network with yeah. the retreats you have or whatever, or maybe somebody's listening right now that has been like wanting and wanting and wanting to, to share yoga place or have something like that, but just didn't mm-hmm. know where to go. You know, there's, yeah. I feel like it's going to keep because, because you built this place, you know, mm-hmm. not to be field of dreams, but if you build it and you live into it, it becomes more alive itself. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I don't know where it's going. Like my the man I'm dating, he was going to move in in August. And then I was like, okay, we're not doing retreats anymore. Then we kind of thought, no, let's not do that. And now we might, and I could still do, I'm, I don't know if I should just do more one day or two day workshops or I could still do retreats, but people might not be able to stay here. So it's always like, I don't know if you know, you know, like as a life of an entrepreneur, it's always in flux. It's like changing every day. Yeah. I announced like this is last summer of retreats because in August, you know, I'm done. And now I'm like, I don't know, but I still will do retreats because I have a few I'm like so excited about. I just don't know where, like, I don't, we could still do them here, but people couldn't spend the night or They'll still be happening. I don't know what's going on with the house. I mean, I don't know what purpose it has. I did just say to a friend of mine, I feel like it's it's because it's making me more powerful. Like I feel more intuitive. I feel more connected to this creative spirit that I love and I I'm like fully devoted to. And I'm going to the water in the mornings. And so I'm feeling like my spiritual like side is really growing and I'm like is that the point of this place I don't know I just I just felt like I had to do it and uh, maybe right sometimes what we envision it kind of isn't exactly what's gonna happen but it's still unfolding so yeah yeah, that was rough though I mean I had a really rough year last year I got really down because I just thought it was gonna be like booked out you know I was just like this is so fun and Kind of wanted to get because you did get a lot of positive responses. Every time you posted, people were saying like, "Oh, I can't wait! This is going to be amazing!" And that just from the outside looking in, you know, every time you would be working on a different room, and I was imagining, you know, people imagining themselves in that very space and showing up, and yeah, that would that would have been uh, deflating for sure. It was. I had a really hard time. I I was struggling. So it's hard because that was also new to me. Like I, in my business, I am usually mm-hmm. not, but I was just trying to put like one foot in front of the other every day. I have this online women's uh, community. It's art thing. And I was just trying, I'm like, just don't cry. Just don't cry. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'm like teaching and I'm like, Wah. I mean, you know, I think it's important to talk about those yeah. moments because it does look really awesome. Everything looks so great on the outside, but I know a lot of my artist friends too have had similar struggles and you just don't, I don't know if people don't talk about it or I don't know, just my heart just really breaks for anyone who, you know, is an entrepreneur art, a creative. It's not easy. So yeah. No, it's not. I, I can't, I'm sorry that I can't remember who it was, but there was an artist recently I saw on social media that said, you know, their last post was that's it. I'm done. This is not, you know, the, that they give you this, they sell you this bill of goods that you can show up here and, and it'll all just kind of keep happening. And it's, 
And it looks that, you know, sometimes it looks that way or the perception is that because it's social media or whatever, or because it's in front of our eyeballs, but it is, it's hard and it's rewarding Mm -hmm. and taught, you know, but circling back to those little tiny and large shifts and death and rebirth of different parts of ourselves. I think the realness is so important that the being honest to each other, but it's also when you have a challenge and it's something you're building yourself and you're surrounded by your paint and you're looking out at the view you chose, it's mm-hmm. so different than a challenge in a cubicle working on a project that has no life in it for you whatsoever. It's just yeah. pick your challenge, you know? Right. Exactly. I'd rather have this one. Yes. That's so true. And then we have each other. This mm-hmm. creative peer group is a very warm, welcoming, supportive place. It's not yeah. a gossipy, backstabbing kind of place. It's it really we're we're lucky to be in this environs. Yeah, and it is so helpful to talk to people because you know Joe Packham from yeah. Where We yeah. Create Made TV now. You know, she told me she had a retreat center and nobody came the first year and she had advertised it in every issue of the magazine for like a year before and everyone was saying, I can't wait to come. And then like, nobody came. And she said the second year, like booked out. And she said, yeah. they, she asked people and they're like, we didn't know about it. And she's like, it was in every art, like every yeah. issue. And just hearing that like made me feel better. And then I shared it with a group of women at the end of the year. And that was the beginning of my getting over it. I had been holding everything inside and not saying anything. Cause I think there was some shame, like you feel kind of like a failure or like nobody wants to, you know, accept your offering. And so there's like an embarrassment to, to me. I don't know if everyone feels that way. And um, once I was able to like share it and speak it, it I, that was the beginning of me yeah. coming back to myself. And I was like, why did I hold on to that inside? I had so, and I was so much pain and just silent suffering. And then it started to feel better. And I think my energy changed and the place feels more alive now and people have noticed like there's something different and I'm like I feel more empowered I'm feeling more positive and and powerful now so I guess I had to go through (laughs) I think it'll be really interesting I don't know it is crazy the universe and and the energies and expectations versus reality versus leaning in you know all the things all the things and I'm just glad Carrie that you are at a place where you can kind of sit with it and let yeah. it take you a little bit where it's going to, where it's going to Yeah. Go. And like the retreats have been so great. And so I was like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't focus so much on what my vision was, which is like something I've learned is to not have any expectation on outcome, even with your art. Like I don't paint with an expectation of how it's going to turn out. And I try to live my life that way. The first time I didn't do that, I suffered. I'm actually yeah. pretty good at it. And this was, I had, I was really attached to an outcome here. I have this yeah. vision. I, I'm usually not. And that did cause suffering. And there's this line and I think it's in, it's not the Ramayana. It's in a, a different like Indian epic tale. Think of it. But um, basically I'm going to paraphrase is like your labor is for you, but the fruits of your labor, you're not entitled to the fruits of your labor. You're entitled mm-hmm. to the labor itself, which is a great lesson in mm-hmm. creativity too. It's like, you're entitled to the process, but you, you don't know the outcome, you know, and that's right, not right. yours. So I was like, that was a really tough learning experience. But I, what I got from this place is a beautiful community. I met the most amazing people at the water. I, you know, I met 
this wonderful man. I have this amazing friendship. So like, who knows? Like, I feel like something else knows what I need more than I do. You know, there's something wiser and, and I have to trust that. So (laughs) it's hard sometimes when we want to hold on so hard to, to our ideas. And, uh, you know, my mom says, don't push the river. And I think that's such, when you literally think about that, Mm -hmm. when we try and build the path and the course Mm -hmm. and it's stronger than that. It's, it really is. It's, there's just too many things feeding into, to the results. Right. Yeah. There's a lot we can't control. So, you know, I just try to remember the good reminder. Yeah. Just do your work, do what you're supposed to do. So I know I was supposed to create this. I don't know why yet. And actually now that I'm over my like initial, like, you know, whatever sadness of what happened. I think it's a really exciting place to be because I don't know. I bet more than more than ever. Yeah. Because there is that little bit of the unknown and who's coming next. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. So we'll see. (laughs) So, What else are you doing? Are you licensing still? I know I want to talk about your membership and the book and things like that, but how are you getting your art out into the world? What ways is it showing up? Yeah. So I do license my art, not as like strongly as I used to. I do have an agent, so they, they take care of that for me, but I haven't been sending them new art. So I feel like I've been slacking off on that a little bit. And then I um, sell, you know, originals online and um, that's been a little more challenging. Like social media has changed. um, So my views are down. It's just harder to get the message out and the word out. I'm not really sure what to do with that. And um, yeah, so then I, I teach uh, online and in my, my, my online class and my retreats are like my favorite part of the job. So um, that's basically what I'm focusing on. And I, I want to have a bigger retreat next year. So I'm, I'm kind of planning something larger, a larger venue with like multiple teachers. So that's hopefully coming in May. Oh, next great. year. Yeah, I'm going to try it. I'm a little nervous, but um, I enjoy planning those type of things. So yeah, I just, I mean, I guess if I could just do what I want, I would do retreats and um, my online class and then sell originals. and That would be it. <laughs> I think that sounds ideal. Writing books too. So I would write books too. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about um, Flower Painting Club. Yeah. So I started it about a year and a half ago and it's just an, another unexpected blessing. I, um, I've gotten to know the women. And so it's become more of like the most important aspect now to, I think all of us is the community. Cause we got, you know, we really know each other. So that's been really special. I just, I do an art video lesson. It drops the first of every month and then we have weekly events. So my goal with the live weekly events is that's like scheduled paint time. Even if we're, you know, we have mm-hmm. book club and we have guest interviews, which you were, and um, mm-hmm. we do bonus demos with me and paint parties. We do all different things, um, share circles, but I try to do one a week and hopefully that's time when they can, you know, schedule time to work. Cause that's, that's just hard for people to find yeah. the time. So it's a little bit of a commitment. And then we have like a, you know, private group where we can all share our work and, I don't know. I just didn't expect these like beautiful lifelong friendships to happen. And, you know, it's just been the most incredible experience. I feel like they really carried me last year when I was, Mm. I wasn't telling them what was going on, but that was like bringing me joy was having this community of, of women. So yeah, that's really important to me. Um, And hopefully I'd, I'd like to grow it. Uh, so 
I'm working on that. And then, so is that yeah. a membership that can be joined? Yeah, anytime. So some some of my friends have ones where you can join like once or twice a year, but this one is just monthly. It's on Patreon. So yeah, and it's $35 a month. And there's, I don't know, it's always kind of evolving and changing. So we started doing like morning pages once a month just to get together in the morning and have like coffee and write. Mm, and I love that. And, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the women are just amazing. So I feel like they're like the greatest blessings in my life. Yeah. And yeah, that's been so much fun. Um, constantly. That's a great amazed. way to be again in community in a way that serves those, you all at that time, you know, painting or morning pages or whatever that is. It's like, if that yeah. speaks to you, check that out. Yeah. I think that's important. And tell me about, so you've written several books, but this one, your upcoming book, it seems like kind of a culmination of things. You. Yeah. So the most recent or the one that's coming up is there's two, but one is love letters, creativity. So I spent about a month writing a love letter to creative spirit every morning and I just loved it. And I, I do it. We do that at our, our retreats. So we write a letter to creativity. Um, and then the next day we write a letter from creativity to us mm, and they're really nice. beautiful. Yeah. They, everyone's like crying. That would be such a good thing to have compiled where more uh, of us could see those. Yeah. Yes. So everyone is, you know, is invited to submit anyone a love letter to creativity and then artwork. And it's technically closed, but I'm still accepting submissions. So if people want to do it, they can. Um, it's on my website. How do they? they can... Okay. Yeah. That's... There's a submission tab under books and um, I think it'll be really beautiful. I've only read, I've only read a few submissions so far and they're just, yeah, they're really gorgeous. And it, it feels like, um, I feel like prayers, you know, like yeah. they're just these letters, but they're like, cause we're speaking to something that I consider so holy and creativity. And so I don't know, it's just, it's really beautiful. Well, and when you spend like a minute thinking about that, thinking about, writing a letter to your creativity or to creativity in general, that is no small thought process, really. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think back on certain poems or um, movies or whatever, songs, lyrics, whatever it might be that strike us a certain way and can be pivotal in making decisions or just saying, yes, that's me too. I, I mean, there are certain things that come to mind for me. So if, if you could channel that to a love letter to creativity and then share that, that just, that gives us all that. Oh yeah, I can, yeah. this is a thing. This is a big, this is bigger than me. I can give yeah. into this. I can, yeah. I can honor it. Definitely. It's so interesting to listen to women at the retreats, read them because there's these reoccurring themes. And like, often it is like, I'm sorry I neglected you. I'm sorry mm. I left you. Um, you've always been there for me. You've always mm. loved me. Like there's certain like themes that mm. to me are like the natural essence of creativity. Like it's true. It's just what creativity is. And it, it's those qualities. You know, it will never leave us. It's never too late. Like those are some of the things I hear. And it's just really amazing that when we sit and actually reflect, we realize oh my gosh, like this is a loving force. This is, it loves us. It, you know, also it needs us. I mean, it, we're, we're the only way it can manifest. So 
um, yeah, it's a really beautiful practice. Um, everybody always enjoys writing them. And then everyone, when you listen to other people, you get really emotional, you know, there's oh, this connection. Yeah. So it's great. I'm mm. excited about it. <laughs> oh, that's such a, I can't wait. I can't wait for that. Yeah. So if you want to submit one, it's not too late. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking about that. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I would love that. I would love that. Thanks. I just yeah. have to think. I was just looking at the submission earlier. I will have to think about oh, that. Yeah. And- I, I think it's really fun if you find sort of a devotion in your life that you're everything that I'm doing is, um, is because of my devotion to creativity. So it's such a nice anchor. It's like, it's mm-hmm. a nice focus. Even when, you know, I was not super thrilled about what was happening. I still knew like I was supposed to do this. And so mm-hmm. it's such a nice guide and I don't know, it doesn't have to be, everybody probably has their own thing they can be devoted to, but it's so nice to just have that focus. Cause otherwise life is a little overwhelming, but if you can <laughs> just, you know, and that's why I'm doing the book. It's like everything I do now will be in devotion to that. So it makes choices easy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. Tell me about the story of every flower and a flower oh, in her yeah. heart. Yeah. So I decided to create a um, compilation of art and writing to celebrate 10 years of my I'm so glad. Art journey. Yeah, it was so much fun. And again, this is like to honor this journey. And I said it was kind of like, um, these are the gifts I've brought back from the darkness to share. So um, it's a large like coffee table book. I think it's like nine by 12. It's pretty big. So bright and, and cheerful. Yeah. And who wouldn't want that front and center? Yeah, I, I love it. And, um, so yeah, mostly my images and then some little like writing, um, from my journal or just, you know, different reflections, little stories. So I love it. And then I kind of, part of that was I want my, um, descendants to know who I am. Cause I don't really mm-hmm. know my grandparents. I know them but I don't know a lot about them. So like, I would love to know more. And so it was me kind of documenting this story for, for them and hopefully to give everybody hope. And, um, and then the story of every flower is the companion or no, that's the story of a flower. A flower in her heart is the companion and it's a picture book for, well, I think it's for all ages. Cause I think picture books are, but yeah. it's my story in picture book form. And it's, love it's beautifully illustrated not by me um and um anyway it I just yeah I'm really thrilled with it because I think kids want real stories I think they can handle like I talk about my heat allergy um but I I think they want that like they want the they want that realness they do and they can handle it you know because I don't know I, I find that adults have a harder time you know than kids accepting yeah yeah what? kids are like oh okay great yeah yeah can I have a popsicle you know <laughs> right exactly well so, and I, the other yeah. thing I think is a through story that that I know you told me when I first met you in person but the the whole silicone and the pink flower and the roses for you have had mm-hmm. such a deep meaning more than just mm-hmm. I want to paint a pretty flower can yeah. you share that a, a little bit about that yeah. So, you know, the rose has a lot of meaning to me. My grandmother loved roses and my grandfather would surprise her every month with a single rose instead of a dozen on Valentine's Day so that she could enjoy her favorite flower all year long. And 
I always love that story. When I was little, they had these orbs in their house. They had like maybe three and there would be like a single red rose and encased in water. And I don't know if it was formaldehyde. Like, I don't know what it was. I've never seen them. But my grandma, my grandfather was an inventor. So I'm like, maybe he made them. I don't know. But I used to stare at them and think if I stared hard enough, it would tell my future because I would think I thought it was a crystal ball. But I was like looking at a red rose and I was like, wow, that that was my future. (laughs) No kidding. That's so interesting. I know. It's so weird. It's they've followed me my whole life. I always say I feel like they're following me. And my grandmother, um, she died when I was pretty young. And I always felt like she was communicating with me through roses. So I've always had these miracles with roses since I was little. And I always associated it with her. And then I, you know, I gave a rose away every day for a year. I I got one. Yeah. yeah. So that was in honor of them. And that was, I call that my accidental spiritual pilgrimage because it was the most transformative year of my life. And interestingly, I heard a voice like, tell me to do that. The same voice that told me to paint, told me to give away these roses. And um, so I did, because I listen to that voice now, no matter what, because it never leads me (laughs) astray. It's brought the most beautiful, but also most spiritual practices because um, creativity is very spiritual to me. And and then the Rose Project ended up being, but I didn't know that was going to be the case. Um, but what it did is I, I was co-creating these moments every day um, mm. when I would give away Rose and, and everyone would think, not everyone, I had some weird interactions there, but like most, a lot of them thought they were miracles. They would be like, how did yeah. you know I needed this? Yeah. You know, and they would tell me the story. And so I felt like I was co-creating with this force. I could feel it again. I, it's a real like tangible presence to me, the same thing when I was in bed. And I, I just felt like we're always invited to participate with this. It's waiting for us like at all times. Um, and it depends on us to, co- to co-create with it, these, these moments. So I just felt really connected to the creative spirit and I felt really safe that whole year. And um I know. So I don't know. There's all sorts of miracles that happen with me and roses. And I have, I don't know if I should, well, I have a long story. You yeah. Kinda, tell. I, okay. So when I moved here, I would hear this group of very happy people swimming in the Salish sea and it's very, very cold. It's like in the forties. Yeah. And I'd hear them every Sunday morning, like singing, like cheering and laughing and I'm like, who are these people? And then I would see them, smaller groups of them on my walks. And they would say like, come in. And it was the most beautiful community. It's people of all ages, of all body types, all, you know, sizes, ethnicities, and they just love each other. And they're in the water and they're so supportive. So I wanted to be part of it. And I love the water. But when I get really cold and then I warm up, I swell. So I was like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to go in the water. And so for seven months I wanted to, and I would feel it calling me and I just, I was afraid. And then one day I was out there in July in the morning and there was a red rose floating in the water. No way. Yeah. Just a red out far enough that I could see it was a rose. And then, um, but I had to swim out to get it. And I knew it was for me. And I had no fear because I was like, I know this is meant for me. So I swam out and got it. And I came to shore and I sat on the driftwood and waited and I didn't swell. And then the next day I joined the community oh. and I've, I've been with them ever since. But they are the most incredible community I've ever, ever been a part of. And oh. I met the guy that I'm you know, dating and a, a ton of friends. And I just feel like that was the rose coming back to me. 
like it just felt like here's this roses for you but it felt connected to that project and also that was the only way I would ever get in the water so I was like <laughs> something new like that is the only way we're gonna get her in here and um it just changed my life I mean I can't even tell you how much yeah. it's changed my life and then yeah, I, I find roses all the time at the beach but no one else in our group like ever has and there's well there's 2600 members but they're all over so anyway I just yeah tell me what the group is called because I think I've looked this up yeah it's called Puget Sound Plungers okay and it's cold water immersion so that's why they're they're going in I just like the water I love the salt water so I'm getting all the benefits of cold water but I really just wanted to be in the water and be part of that wonderful open-hearted community yeah and I've had um some retreats now co-hosted with some of the members. Um, so we've, these women I've teamed up to make, you know, really interesting offerings, um, and just met some great friends. So yeah, that, I mean, I guess that's one way the Rosa showed up for me, but sometimes I think this was my grandmother's dream. Like I, this house, this pink house with ro- there's flowers everywhere. I, roses are all over. I painted like a thousand on the wall out, outside and I was like, I think this was her dream. Like, I think this Mm. was her vision and I'm just carrying it out. I sometimes I think she's in charge. (laughs) (laughs) I love the unfolding. I really do. And I, I remember hearing your Rose, 100 Days of Rose stories the first time and thinking, that's really brave because you're interacting with, often it was strangers and and you're interacting and saying, it's, it's like not you know, the 2000s. It feels like, you know, some other time that was simpler. And that's why I'm sure so many responses were positive. And then you'd get that, like, who are you? What's this for? You know, thrown in there as well. But it's those little moments where we're, we follow that whisper that's asking us to be brave or maybe find out more about ourselves or challenge ourselves, whatever that might be. And at the same time, if you can kind of thank the process, you'll have that support. Yeah. I mean, that was a weird one because like the other time I heard a voice, it was to tell me to do yoga. And like, that also is one of the most spiritual practices, but I feel like those two moments primed me for this giving away a rose because I was like, okay, I trust this. But I mean, it didn't make a lot of sense. I was having like, I was newly divorced and you know, financially stressed. And I'm like, I am, roses are expensive. (laughs) I I need to make money now because I'm praying like, you know, and then it's like, give roses away. And I'm like, well, what? Like that's (laughs) that's financially horrible idea. And also, yeah, it was intimidating. The first time I did it, I realized how closed off we are from each other because I was so scared. I was terrified. And I was like, I'm afraid to give someone a flower. Like, what does that say about us? Yeah, like, I was so scared. And that's daunting, which is like mind blowing to me because that was really, really revealing to me, like how kind of siloed I am and how many walls we have between us. It's that kid spirit is so put put so far away from that. Yeah, like we're we're suspicious and we don't trust each other. And that was a really big surprise for me. And every time I did it, it got a little easier. Um, and I learned like how to do it. So people would be more receptive and kind of who, you know, maybe just listening a little more, um, and being guided by who to give it to. And so I had the most amazing experiences and some people didn't want one and some people were scared and I feel bad about that, but like, you know, I don't know. I just had to listen and 
yeah, that, that was weird. It was a weird thing to do, but actually I'm thinking about doing it, starting to do it up again because I just, I loved it so much. So, um, I might, I might start doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's your, uh, that gets to be your, your, your choice, your gift. I love that. Well, it was really cool. One, one cool thing I noticed the third day, my daughter gave a rose to a man who was in his probably eighties and he just started laughing because no one had ever given him a flower. And he just, I noticed the light around him that wasn't there before. So I wrote in my journal, like notice the, how the light changes around people when you give them a rose, like pay attention to the light. And I also noticed his posture change. Like he sat up huh. straighter, but I kept noticing this. And so my daughter and I would call it the rose glow. And she would say, mom, oh. look, they have the rose glow. Huh. And because they would start to glow around their, their head. And so one day I was painting this woman and I started doing gold around her head. And I was like, oh, she has the rose glow. And I'm like, this is a halo. They, mm. I'm seeing, I can see their, their halo, like their mm. aura. And the thing with the rose is like, it's a, um, in every culture it's considered, um, you know, it's, it's connected to your divinity. And so like that, that area is what is connected to our divinity, which is why like saints and kings and queens wear crowns because they want to be seen as divine and royal. So it was actually like activating that part of mm. their bodies. And then the, the heart, the posture changing I noticed was it's a heart opener and the rose mm. is considered a heart opener but I could see them unfurling. And this isn't like theoretical. Like I didn't know this before I was observing it. And then I started researching and learning more about the rose and and it is a heart opener in every culture and actually changes, you know, your, your posture. So Mm. I just thought that was so fascinating. I was seeing it like it was an experiment and it was like proving, you know, what they were saying, what these, you know, textbooks were saying but I actually could visually see it happening. So, and over and over, so 365 times. And so very exciting. (laughs) Oh, I love that. There's so much to that. And, you know, and it's just those, those, we don't often do a repetitive action or a repetitive activity besides get up, feed the dog, water the plants or whatever, but involving a stranger often. Yeah. 365 days in a row. You know, I think yeah. that's why often it's really great to try these 100-day challenges or whatever mm-hmm. that is to, to give ourselves the gift of a new practice or something like that. But this one, you're yeah. involving others, and that's that's really unique, I think. Yeah, and I didn't realize it is a creative act. I didn't see it like that at the time, but it actually is a, you're creating something with a sort of invisible force and then this other person. And nobody knows, you know, really how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. But usually it... it um, they would tell me a story and, and there would always be like some, some mystical component to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a little obsessed with waking that up in my surroundings and around me. And how do we, how do we bring the sacred and the mystical to me? That is where creativity lives. It's Mm -hmm. just creativity's home Mm -hmm. um, because it is invisible. And so playing with that world and like that awakening, that that's just waiting for us. So I, I find it sad, like in our culture that we don't dive in a little more to what's out there, what's possible. So it's kind of a lifelong obsession. Yeah. That's good. I think you're one of those people that's just the more open you are, the more it shows up. Yeah. How do you feel your work has changed? Do you feel like you're evolving 
the way you want to with your work. I imagine it's really just looking at the close-ups and the the bit of gold in there, like you were mm -hmm. mentioning, but just on the roses and you painted thousands of roses on your house, <laughs> you know, your skill and your, you know, how your evolution of color and what's saturating a, um, you know, what's covering a canvas and not, you know, mm -hmm. do you feel that that's evolving and into a place where you're, it's just part of what you do? Yeah, I think what's evolving, um, I'm not a very like technical painter, um, is my relationship with creativity. And I feel like there's no depth. Like I always feel like I am in full surrender. So when I paint, I don't have a plan. I just, it's just intuitive. I just let the painting emerge from the canvas through like layers and I just listen. And, um, but I always feel like, okay, I'm in full surrender. I've got it. I'm, I'm there. And then like something will happen and I'm like, whoa, now I'm in full surrender. And I, I think there's no end to that level of surrender. I think we can just keep going like deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's exciting to me. Um, it's never ending. And so, yeah, I think if I've, if I'm evolving, hopefully it's in my listening. So mm. um, really um, letting the painting be what it wants to be and letting creativity come through me. So um, my friend and I were talking about embodiment and what that means. And I was like, I think for me, what in full devotion to this, it's me saying like, I, I give my body to you, like come through me and um, I just accept whatever happens. But in that listening, I feel like more is, I, this creative spirit is able to reveal itself more fully. And, and then that, I hope that's how it's evolving, you know, yeah. sort of I'm becoming, I don't know, I feel like sometimes I'm becoming my paintings and they're coming from somewhere else. So yeah. yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of like rich pinks and reds right now and golds and that really honoring the, the feminine. Cause that to mm -hmm. me is very, um, it's silenced. And even there's a book called chromophobia and it's fear mm -hmm. of color. And basically it's a very like intellectual book. It's not fluffy. It's like, it's kind of almost hard to read because it's very like technical and, yeah. um, philosophical but basically there's the, one of the points he's making is fear of color is fear of the feminine and like you know <laughs> I live in the Pacific Northwest and I mean everything around me is you know gray and beige and turning black like now yeah. it's like <laughs> but you know there's not a lot of color and even you know in people's clothing and but it's seen as feminine and they're you know so I feel like honoring like the colors and to me that is creativity like creative spirit yeah. is is in these and in color it wants to be a celebration you know and um so that's kind of what I'm I guess I'm diving more into and also trying to stay loose like I think if I'm evolving I want to be more wild I want my art to be more free and wild and unrestrained um so that's kind of hopefully the direction that I'm going in I love um, it yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, to me, that really is the path that you're making for yourself. And mm -hmm. you're not, I mean, you're putting things in place, but it's unfolding as well. You're allowing that. And you, that's an understatement with the house and everything. It's just, it's just, you're leaning in and, and listening. And I think that's yeah. really great. Yeah. And one of the paintings I was just working on, it seemed like it wanted to go off. It was like three or four goddesses and 
the one wanted to like keep going. And, and so I, you know, I talked to my paintings, I listened to them and it kept saying to me, I'm endless. I have no end. And I kind of got the feeling it just wants me to keep going in both directions with more canvas and also like up and down. So I was like, I feel like you want me to see what's below you and above you. And there's more like this painting uh -huh. never ends. So it's that kind of like listening and like freedom and non-judgment, even of like myself, like it sounds weird to be like, I talk to my paintings, they talk to me. Like a lot of us just stop there and we're like, that's weird. But, you know, like really listening and, and yeah. then like these messages come through and the possibility is like things you would never imagine, you know, come through. And then you're able to like, I would never think of that on my own. It was, you know, listening to this and yeah. receptive. I think that's, it's really taboo and it's looked down upon and it's a shame because there's so much we're missing out and there's so much power there, you know, so there's so much creative power. Yeah. So, yeah. That's I, <laughs> I've never thought about, I just have to say that for a second. I have to think about this out loud. Usually if I'm painting or making something that's got line work, I'm framing it in right at mm -hmm. the edge of the canvas or however much wire I have in my hand or how I cut the silver out or whatever that is. Yeah. But to the thought of if you just shift that thinking to what if that wasn't the edge of it? Yeah. Ooh. Like, I just wonder, well, what's, what is below you? What is yeah. above you? And there's all these women emerging and um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of want to just keep going with it, keep adding like panels yeah. up and down and, and seeing, and I just listened to this most beautiful talk by his name is Iliaran Merculeaf. I'm saying it wrong, but basically, you know, he's um, from an indigenous people and they lost the um, ability to make these masks because they were colonized and oppressed. And he went to one of the elders and said, like, can you teach me? You're the only one left who remembers mm. these masks. And he's like, I don't need to teach you. He said, mm. just, you know, like go to the water and listen. I'm paraphrasing and messing up the story, but essentially listen to your gut, listen it from your, um, your belly. There's like a brain there. And, and he said, um, you will, it will tell you how to make it. And so he did and it worked. He had like, he listened and he's like, I don't understand. And all of a sudden he had like a vision of like a hundred masks. Mm. And so this is the, I know it sounds weird, but like, it's not, it's not in other cultures. It is in ours. But like in creativity, there's this whole world of listening that mm. we don't acknowledge. And I think that's why we have a lot of resistance. And we're like, mm -hmm. we don't understand how creativity actually works. I think all of our understanding is um, actually false. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's actually a myth. I don't think we understand the mechanics of how creativity mm -hmm. works. Oh, I love that concept. I mean, that's a that's a big fat thought in, in such an interesting way. I mean, when you think about kids and when they bring something home that they've splashed out with a big thick brush or whatever it is, and then, you know, it just doesn't take long for them to have an, form an opinion about themselves, about their mm -hmm. creativity, about I'm not creative or whatever it is when that's not true at all. No. So, and culturally, I'm sure that's different as well, but mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot to that that thought about... What is it really? Mm. Yeah. The way it works is not, I think, the way we allow it to be in our lives. 
I don't think creativity gives a damn like what it yeah. looks like when it's finished. I don't, you know, I don't yeah. think there's no like, it's good like or bad. okay, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm just it's here. A, it's an expression. It's something yeah. wanting to be expressed, but nothing wants to be judged. Like there's nothing in life that wants to be judged. Everything wants to be loved and just accepted for what it is. And I think the fact that we think it's a reflection of us is ridiculous. I mean, I know people work at building up technical skill and I think it's beautiful and we should honor that. I just don't think we should judge it. I think that's a limitation of ourselves. If we're judging something then we're placing our own limitations on what we can define as beauty. So I don't know. I just, I, I think it's, we've got it all wrong. It actually doesn't work that way. And we've put ourselves in the center of something that we should never have been the center of, mm. you know? Because mm-hmm. if you're denying that there's something else coming through you, you do think it's all you. This is all right. me. And yeah. I I actually don't think that. I mean, it's never, if I if I just use my limited imagination, my paintings would not look anything like they look. There's only in like turning it over to this unknown. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know there's different ways to work, but I don't know. I think yeah. we need to reboot, um, <laughs> get to know creativity, like in a healthy way, in a loving way. Mm-hmm relationship. For sure. That's necessary. And I think how to do that can be an ongoing, I mean, that's where, right. Carrie, your retreats come in your, your membership, the community that I have through, through these podcasts and through the Patreon and whoever, whatever courses people decide to take or the friends that you swim with in the morning or the dance you do or the, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, I think such, it's such a good thing to remember to honor that. Instead of turn the conversation around from being, I'm not good enough to have that come through me to, I'm just going to honor that that's there. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Mm. Yeah. The I'm not good enough. Oh man. It's it's so heartbreaking to hear that. And it's not slippery slope. Yeah. And that's not it at all. No, it's not. Oh, (laughs) what a good conversation. Thank you for putting us in that mindset today. Oh, thanks. Thank you. It's my favorite subject. So, (laughs) Well, more of that to come. Yes. Tell me who's inspiring you these days. Well, that man I just mentioned, I I feel bad because I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Iliarion Merculeif. He's inspiring me. And then I would say all the women in my uh, flower painting club, um, but also just regular people in my life. Like everyone is, has an inspiring story. I'm so just anyone I meet anywhere. I think getting to know people and asking about their stories um, is quite incredible. So I'm just finding inspiration in my immediate spaces, you know, and nice. there's so many people. Yeah. It was only a few people get really a large cultural voice, but there's so many really interesting people like right around us at all times. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will put his link in the show notes too. And um, I just really appreciate your thoughts and your sharing. And to find out more about you, Carrie, where can people find you? Yes. My website's carrieschmidtdesign.com, but I don't know if you'll write it out somewhere. My last name is S-C-H-M-I-T-T. So two T's, no D. And then at Carrie Schmidt on Instagram. So I have a newsletter they can sign up for on my website. And it'll all be in the show notes and I'll link to it on the, on the Instagram and all those things. But I just love it. If people hear it and they're rushing to look right now, if they haven't already to see what those beautiful roses look like. 
Yeah. And if they, if they hurry like soon after this, they could still submit to the love letters, the book. So yeah. (laughs) Think about that people. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Thank you, you, Carrie, so much for this time today. I just, I knew it would be a conversation that would be a favorite. So thank you. Thank you, Margo. Thank you so much for everything you do. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.